0: I love the great caper movies. You know, the ones where there's a, a, a plan to, to pull off a major heist, uh, rob a bank or something like that. I know, I know, I'm a priest. I shouldn't be watching these kind of movies. But even priests have guilty pleasures, and this is mine. And besides, it's only the movies, right? It's just a movie. And movies like, um, oh, The Inside Job or The Italian Job, or, or maybe a few years back you remember the movie uh, Entrapment with Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones. I love these movies because there's a plan. There's this perfectly laid out plan. And and the... the, the the, the people, the actors in the in the movie, the, the ones who are the bank robbers or whatever, they go through and they execute this plan perfectly. And, and, and all the steps are just like they thought it would be. And, and then there's always the one surprise, isn't there? The one person who's not where they're supposed to be, or a security guard who comes when he's not supposed to be there, or something like that. And, and, and it's always amazing how the people know just what to do, and they, they slip away. And, and even the, the little, the un, unpredictable parts of the plan come off without a hitch. There's always another part to it. There's always a a surprise. You didn't really know that they had planned for this, but but after all they did, and they tell you at the end the plan had come together just like they'd put it. It's great when a plan comes together, and I love to watch this in film. It's always a strange juxtaposition, though, when you read the newspaper and you see the kind of things that people actually do when they try to pull off these great plans, don't you? Uh, These two fellows in Germany went on this um, robbery spree where they were robbing homes and businesses, loaded up the back seat with all their goods and were heading to the Czech Republic, but got lost along the way. And so they thought it would be a good idea to pull over and ask, I'm not kidding you, if I'm lying, I'm dying. They asked a cop directions to the Czech Republic. And while they're sitting there talking to him, he notices they fit the description of the APB that's out on these two fellows and that their back seat is loaded with all kinds of goods that they had stolen from the houses that they had robbed. He, of course, gave them directions to the local jail where they still reside. Uh, there's a, another one about I, I read not too long ago. <laughs> a, a, a cop um, loaned his neighbor his PlayStation video game machine, and his neighbor wouldn't give it back. And so after a while, the cop came home one day from work and um, went and crawled through the window. He crawled through the window of his neighbor's home and loaded up all his stuff. and I'm not kidding you he climbed back out the window. And whilst he's climbing back out the window, someone had called the police because they saw a cop climbing through the window. He was in uniform, and his friend had to arrest him for breaking and entering his neighbor's home. It's like sometimes people don't watch the movies. You know, the movies have these great laid-out plans. All you have to do is watch a good film, and you'll put a good one together. Planning is important, isn't it? Preparation's important. And I think the gospel lesson today is certainly not about breaking into homes or robbing uh, banks, but it's about preparing for something that's really important. It's about the voice of one who cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist comes preaching this gospel, this message of repentance. He begins in his message by saying, you shouldn't count on your ancestry. Perhaps you noticed it in verse 8 of chapter 3. Do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham for a father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Don't count on the fact that you are children of Abraham. God can raise up stones that are children of Abraham, John says. Don't count on the fact that you are part of the nation of Israel. Well, the fact is, God did in fact make promises to Israel, didn't he? He made promises to Abraham. Abraham, your, your children will be more numerous than the sands of the sea, the stars in the sky. And through your children, I will bless all the peoples of the earth. And promises to Moses Moses, if the people follow me, if they keep my commands, I will bless them. Read the end of Deuteronomy. I'll bless them in the country and in the city. I'll bless them in their pantries and in their homes. They'll have children. Everything will be great. But if they don't keep the commands I give them, they won't be blessed in the country or the city. Their pantries will be empty there'll be devastation, they'll end up in exile. And guess what happens to Israel? The story is they go to exile. Babylonian exile. And then they're passed around like the property of all the big uh, superpowers of the day. The Persians, the Greeks, by the time we get to the New Testament, the Romans, all own the people of Israel. John the Baptist says, don't depend upon the fact that you are a Jew to know that God will rescue you. God is not going to rescue Israel from the hands of the Romans just because they share DNA. John would have never said that. But just because they shared DNA with Abraham. Don't count on that. In fact, if you want to count on God's rescue plan, here's what you have to do. You have to repent. And there are surefire signs of actual legitimate repentance. Look closely at what he says in verse 10. The crowds ask him, what shall we do? He answered, whoever has two tunics, share with him who has none. Whoever has food, do likewise. Tax collectors, uh, who came to be baptized, what shall we do? Collect no more than you're required. You know, it was a great job to be a tax collector in the first century. If the Romans said you go out and collect a dollar from everybody who crosses this bridge, you could collect five give one to the romans and keep the rest for yourself. It was a very lucrative business and you were hated by all your neighbors for doing it. But there was nothing they could do. John says, you want to know how you can tell there's real repentance going on in your life? You share with people who need it. You don't cheat people. And and even soldiers don't abuse your power. These are real signs of repentance. You know what? It doesn't matter Race or religion, age or gender, rich or poor, every person has needs. Every human being has some need. John says, it's a real act of repentance when we show compassion to one another. When we recognize that human beings around us have needs. Israel, don't count on your ancestry. Show genuine signs of repentance. And remember this, the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, John says, he's mightier than I. I couldn't even bend down and untie his shoe. And when he comes, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I think what John says, not just with the Holy Spirit and with fire, but the Holy Spirit is a fiery baptism. The image comes from the Old Testament prophet Malachi, who talked about a refiner's fire. In the in the days of Malachi, if someone was mining gold, they would go get a big chunk of, of rock and there would be gold all in it and with all kinds of other minerals. And they would take it to a metallurgist who would put it in a big pot with a with a stoking hot fire. And he would get it so hot in this that it would actually melt the rock and the gold down into a liquid. And the gold was real heavy. It would sink to the bottom. But all the other impurities and minerals would float to the top And the metallurgist would take this big giant spoon and he would just skim off the top all the impurities. And then he would heat it up more. And even the little bit that was down in with the gold in the bottom would start to rise up and he'd do it again. And then he'd heat it up more and he'd do it again. John says the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, this is what he's going to do. He's going to purify his people with fire. He's going to heat them up and clean them out and do it again and again and again. For those of us who stand on the other side of first advent, but on this side of the second advent, those of us who know what's going to happen on December 25th as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, await the coming of the Lord. We await the day when when Christ will return to the planet. And so we too find ourselves in a very similar situation of those who heard the message of John the Baptist. We, too, can rely on the faith of our parents. We could say, Oh, I'm a cradle Christian. My parents baptized me as an infant. I've grown up in the church all my life. You should have seen what my parents have done. You see, in fact, we have this memorial or that memorial. And I think John would say to us, That's wonderful. But don't you dare count on the faith of your parents. I I have a friend who, who loves to say, God has no grandchildren. (laughs) And I think he's right, that God has only children. We all stand and fall on our own, not on what our parents have done. Faith is personal, therefore repentance must also be personal. The Old Testament word for repentance is shuv, it means to turn completely the other direction. It means to be going one way and you turn around. We might say, you did a 180. You're, you're going one way and you go completely the other direction. Compassion. That we are to show people compassion. All people are human beings. Every person has that spark of, of the divine no matter how cruel they are. So convicts. Traitors and terrorists are all human beings. And somehow in the midst of that, even whilst we would, we would reject the evil that's perpetrated in, the, in these sorts of, uh, of people, we do not reject the human beings that are behind it. And every person is in need of compassion. Every person is in need of care. Because the Holy Spirit keeps purifying us and keeps showing us that our motives aren't any more pure than theirs. Annie Dillard talks about uh, northing. It's the, the trekking to the pole, uh, going to uh, the North Pole or the South Pole. And she talks about these polar expeditions. And one of the ones she talks about is the Franklin Expedition of 1845. Here's what she says. 138 men and officers went on a journey to the, to the North Pole, and they carried with them a 1,200-volume library, a hand organ playing 50 tunes, China place setting for officers and men, cut glass wine goblets, sterling silver flatware, and no special clothing for the Arctic. Only thing they wore was the, a was the uniform of Her Majesty's Navy. And they all died. <laughs> they, the twist of irony here is that they were overprepared and underprepared at the same time. They had done all sorts of preparations, but they did all the wrong things. Caper movies and dumb criminals. The real difference is between preparation, I suppose. But it's just like us, isn't it? I I heard the the song, you know it, um, you better not shout, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. You know it. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa's not the only one who's coming to town. And so we had better be prepared. Amen.